Hello and welcome back to Delete My Browser History. I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And today we are joined by our gorgeous guest, Gina Blacksill, who's looking very glamorous today. Hello, Gina. Hello. I feel for transparency. I should point out I've got a window and sunshine right in front of me, giving me a youthful <laughs> glow. It's not normally this good. Well, it works for you. It works for you. And it's Monday morning, so extra points as well for looking, you know, fresh and uh ready to go. I'm still not I'm still not awake, I don't think. Um so Gina is joining us today. I know what she's talking about. I don't know if Cynthia knows, but just just a quick background if um if you've not read any of Gina's books. This is your re- your most recent book, Love You to Death, which I have here in my hand which I started reading last night, Gina. Um this is this your seventh book? It is. It's lucky yeah. number 7. Maybe lucky, yeah. maybe unlucky. I don't know yet. So Gina writes um YA thrillers which, you know, Best, kind, best kind of books, yeah. really, aren't they? And also fairy tale retellings. You've done a couple of those as well, haven't you? So, yeah, that's right. I mean, they look like fantasy books, but they're kind of whodunits and thrillers and mysteries underneath all of the gingerbread and witches. Oh, lovely! Oh, that sentence was just getting better and better, wasn't it? <laughs> Which do you prefer? Do you prefer writing, or is it just sort of like what you're in the mood for? I prefer writing the thrillers because right. they feel like the blood that pumps through my body, really. I find them really addictive. The fairy tale ones are much easier, though. I think it's because you're retelling and you've already got things that you know you need to put in the plots and put a new spin on. I think it gives you a lot of the plot before you start out. Oh, that's yeah, a good, that's a good tip. Yeah, with retellings, I've always wondered if that was, it's like it's plotted for you and then you just go in and and make the changes that you want to make that must be quite nice it is nice but the funny thing is you know that with something like fairy tales that pretty much everyone knows your reader is coming to the book with quite a lot of knowledge already so you need to factor that in to whatever you're plotting which is a, a slightly funny dialogue between you and the reader that you don't ordinarily have i suppose yeah. as well with some fair well a lot of fairy tales everybody is kind of brainwashed by the disney version as well so it's like trying to it must be lovely doing the research and you know really getting to those original the original story and being like yeah it wasn't happy ending because <laughs> they're horrible the yeah. originals i mean not so much the two that i've done but some have got i can't remember which one it is it's got someone opening up their chest and carving something on their heart and sealing it up again and mm. that would not come up in the Disney one for obvious reasons of you ratings but they're horrible they are yeah. like the original goth stories aren't they like I will carve that on my heart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lovely anyway sorry so before we start um Gina's gonna share her two truths and a lie with us and this is this this has never been done before on the delete my browser history podcast folks because me, me and cynthia don't know what these what these are so we're completely blind here so gina's going to share them with us and then we're gonna are we gonna do we guess now or do we guess we guess now and then gina will tell us at the end yeah yeah which one which one was the lie so yeah, you, you don't go, tell us yeah. yeah yeah right i'm gonna be a trailblazer here i'm quite excited about that so number one, I volunteer in a cat shelter. Number two, I used to be a model. And number three, 
I'm scared of flying. Oh, the simplicity is... Uh, I know. It undoes you, doesn't it? I've never seen you post anything about going on an aeroplane. And I think you no. are a model. I think you are a model as well. You've got the face. Yes. Mm. And I think I... Yes, I've seen cat... I've seen cat pictures on Twitter, I think. Yeah. But then do you just wish that you had the time to volunteer at a cat shelter? Maybe you don't actually do it. Or maybe you used to do it and don't do it anymore. Did you say that you, you're scared of flying? Yeah, scared wow. of flying. Okay. What do you think, Cynthia? I think it's the cat shelter one. Because I think it's something that you don't do at the moment. But you would like to or you have done. I don't think you're scared of flying. And I think you were probably a model at some point. Yeah. I... I think I'm going to say the same as Cynthia. I think there's something, I think there's something in the cat. I think you love cats, but maybe don't volunteer at a cat shelter because you just bring them all home if you, if you love cats. Yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll find out at the end then. So all will be revealed. All will be revealed <laughs> at the end. Um, so Gina, you're talking to us about some it, it's kind of research that you did for your latest for your latest book, isn't it? We're talking about obsession. Yes, obsession and specifically stalking, which is maybe the I don't know which comes first, the stalking or the obsession, but stalking is a very extreme manifestation of obsession. I think they probably lead into each other, don't they? If you've got that kind of brain that you think stalking is okay it's only going to make you more obsessed with whoever or whatever you're stalking yeah the objects of your desire yeah so I think obsession becomes comes before stalking else you probably wouldn't stalk if you weren't obsessed with someone for some reason so yeah that's the way the chicken and the egg goes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I right. read, um, sorry, I read that stalking was a term that was kind of coined in the 80s. It like wasn't, or the late 80s, it wasn't a thing before then. I don't know if you've come across anything like that. Oh, I haven't come across that. I know that certainly until later 80s, it wasn't really recognised as any kind of criminal offence. Right. And actually the sentencing for stalking is really behind the curve with a lot of things, both in this country and within the states, because although now it's recognised as a criminal offence, it's really difficult to pin down and do anything about. So I think that's maybe where the 80s thing is coming into play, because I don't think there are any laws against it then. Wow. Now, and is it you, sorry, you're probably going to tell us this, but it's really hard to get something done about stalking, isn't it? Because nothing's actually happening to the person physically they're not being harmed or they're not being you know in some cases they're not being threatened even though you would argue that if somebody's following you around and doing things that's threatening behavior in itself yeah it's really difficult to pin down because the police can't do that much until the stalker crosses a line and starts like committing criminal damage for instance if they you know, smash your car up or throw a brick through your window, then the police can do something. But a lot of stalkers don't necessarily do that because they believe that, you know, there's five different types of stalking, which I'll, I'll get onto, but they believe that they're doing something nice for their victims. So they often don't cross that line. And sometimes the victims don't know who they are. So 
the police will be sympathetic and tell the victims to keep a log, but it's quite difficult to action unless there is something. I remember one woman on a documentary and her stalker, this has always stayed with me, what he did was he used to send her a card through the post every single day with some nice message in. And the police couldn't do anything because sending someone a card is is not a criminal act and they weren't threatening or anything, but they're incredibly creepy and subverted something, which is normally really nice to get Mm -hmm. through your door. Yeah, Yeah. you would dread that, wouldn't you? You would just every day. Oh, that's horrible. Gina, sorry, you're probably going to tell us this as well, but are, are victims of stalking generally female? Ah, so it varies. So they're more overwhelmingly the female but Mm. there are male victims as well but female stalkers tend to fall into a particular stalking subtype so I think the stats is that 80% of stalking victims are women but Mm. 20% are men which is is quite extreme but maybe not as extreme as I was expecting Mm. yeah you wonder wonder as well whether a male victim might be less inclined to report it perhaps or try and seek out help because sometimes that's just how men can be they just sort of yeah or you know women are just crazy aren't they so it's like oh it's just a crazy woman just being crazy and and well that that same fear of like as a female you have that like internal fear don't you anyway of Mm. of being alone at night or you know you don't walk on your own you don't do things like that but men do or lots of men do, um, so they might yeah. not take it as seriously because it doesn't seem like as much of a threat initially, maybe. Yeah, because there's that not that sort of fear that it could turn physical or you could be overpowered by by the person that's doing the stalking, I suppose. Yeah, you just see like extreme versions of it, don't you? Like fatal attraction, you know, like yeah. the spoiler. And so I think when it's a female, it's always made out like it's really, really mm. over the top. Yeah. But obviously, and I wonder... I wonder whether for some men it almost in the early stages having a female stalker might play in slightly to a male fantasy of, oh, you know, they're crazy for me. They love me. They're watching me. I'm the man. I'm sure it would turn quite quickly, but initially (laughs) might look in it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same for women because I think, you know, you could be flattered early on if it was harmless and if it was, and I think it's when it starts to get a bit more sinister or like that card every single day like you would that would turn less flattering very quickly and I think women like there's a lot to be said for women's intuition where you just know where something is off don't you and I think if if you were to say to somebody like I've been getting a card every day like this is the fourth or fifth I think most women would be like whoa that's that's not cool and like it doesn't matter what it says it's like where is it coming from who's it coming from but and I I think maybe it is that thing of like just being a woman in society and you've just got to be cautious of everything yeah I think so the letterbox actually just jingled while you were talking Georgia (laughs) that sound if you were getting the cards that would be like your horror film sound that would be the trigger oh that's such a good idea It is actually, isn't it? Because it's really bad that that's the first thing I thought. Yeah, but it's like telephones in films. I mean, I don't like phones ringing anyway, but they often have a sinister tint, don't they? If someone's Mm. like calling you and they're they're sinister. Yeah, or the doorbell, you know. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm glad it's light. I'm very <laughs> easily freaked out by those things. Did you freak yourself out with like the research that you were doing and stuff? If you were reading about stories and things, did it did it kind of did it make you kind of question everything that was happening around you? It did a little bit. I mean, the ones that got under my skin were the really horrible, realistic ones that you think, gosh, I'm glad that is not my life because what a living hell. And there's some more extreme ones, but they're not funny, but they're more things that I think someone would listen to and think, oh, that would make a good story. Um, so there were some really just really sick things, I think, that just made me think, oh, humanity's depraved. Um, and I'm quite jumpy anyway. I don't like walking around by myself at, at night. So definitely some of that was at the forefront of my mind. Mm. Are you going to tell us about the depraved things? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to vary. There's some really <laughs> good stories and some good kind of content. And there's actually one about people, people in a a house that may or may not be haunted being stalked, but I thought was quite good as as well. I mean, there's, there's literally so many that are just very, very far out from this country and from the US especially. Mm. Um, but one of the things I did find out is that people debate a bit about this, but it's generally agreed that stalking falls into five different categories, which is quite interesting because I'd never thought of it being segmented like that because I guess we all have a stereotype in our mind of who a stalker is, but it's uh, it's quite varied. Um, the first one, which is probably one that has the saddest real-life stories, is called The Rejected Stalker. And they're normally a partner or someone you've been in quite an intimate relationship with that you dump, and then they turn into a stalker. They're unable to get over you and just want to keep you in their life. Maybe they're angry. They feel that they've been wronged. So I think hence the word rejected stalker. And that's pretty much exclusive to, to ex-partners. And they might also stalk their ex-partners, new person as well. It can turn very, very nasty. Mm. So there's that one. The second one is called the resentful stalker. This is actually the one I think that freaks me out the most. And this person is someone who feels that they've been wronged by someone who's a stranger. They've just bumped into an acquaintance, a work colleague. Um, they're often very angry and they subject their victim to all kinds of things, following them around and venting their anger. So in theory, you know, that person whose parking space you took when you're in a spot parking queue could turn into the resentful stalker because they're so angry but that was my parking space you took it or you know that person you had an altercation with in, in Asta so that really freaks me out and because that and so they just can't let go and actually you might not even remember it properly so you wouldn't and you wouldn't know anybody you wouldn't know anything about them would you where they're it's different from the rejected stalker because you would know about their life and where they live and who their friends are and everything. But yeah, that's really like that could come out of nowhere, couldn't it? I know. And I'm not going to say that I'm always having run-ins with people in car parks, <laughs> but it's actually in car parks that people are really angry, yeah. especially men of yeah. a certain age, I have to say. So I've just always had that in my head and thought, I don't want to wind someone up in case they find out where I live. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting um, petrol one day on the way to work and these two men just started going at it in the petrol station because one of them had pulled in in front 
and the other guy had been waiting but he'd been waiting further over as if he was going to go to a different one and and this guy pulled in and he got out of his car and he was screaming and this man went my wife is in hospital I just need to get petrol to go in and the guy he didn't care and it was one of those moments where you're like do I do I do something like I don't like to get involved <laughs> but I just I just shouted over it stop it's not worth it just just calm down and stop and they both looked at me like sod off um but they did they stopped and they carried on but I thought this guy was stressed because of you know he's going off to see his wife and the other guy was obviously just on his last string like and yeah. they happened to bump into each other um have you seen that Netflix show beef yeah beef I can imagine it's I've not watched it yet but it's about two people who were just at the end of their tether and they meet at, at like in a traffic situation and then it escalates and they just like start trying to get revenge on each other constantly and uh, they're just they're just both like losing it it looks brilliant <laughs> oh you see that just makes me cringe inside <laughs> the thought that you could be innocently going about your day and commit <laughs> what's in the eyes of someone else, some major transgression, yeah. and then your life turns to hell. You can just, just see that being the start of a really claustrophobic kind of film. Mm. Oh, you've, um, <laughs> the third type of stalker you've got is the intimacy-seeking stalker, and this is one This yeah. is one that particularly links to mental disorders, um, where people believe that they're in love with or meant to be together with someone that they even know in real life, but more commonly it's someone like a celebrity. And they believe that that person is secretly madly in love with them. Mm. And they interpret things like, oh, she, uh, she wore her watch on her left wrist rather than her right one. And it's a sign for me that means that we're meant to be together. Just very, very extreme. Um, and when they're rebuffed, they can turn vengeful, even to the point of murder. And this is also the group that there is a higher instance of female stalkers in this group than men. And I'm not fully wow. sure why that is, actually, but uh, maybe it's the intimacy side of it. Mm. oh that's interesting yeah I would have thought that one would have been a higher male I thought like the rejected stalker might have been a higher female I wonder if it's if it's more women who are reported doing it I don't yeah I, I uh that is interesting that one that is creepy though there's like you can picture the scene there's so many like sitcoms as well like comedies where you know the celebrity ends up in someone's house and then they go in the room and it's just plastered with pictures of them yeah and like you know but actually it can end really badly can't it the bodyguard yeah oh bodyguard. yes yeah. of course simon cowell actually had a, a female stalker who falls into this category who was obsessed with him and believed Why? that he secretly <laughs> i know <laughs> maybe it's something to do with his mr nasty persona and seeking <laughs> approval but he actually broke into his house oh, while he was in there i can't oh. remember if she put a brick through the window or she just managed to get get in in another way um and he he hid in his uh, his closet from her. I think this was his house in America. Oh. She'd actually scrawled when the police arrived. That she'd scrawled 
messages to him on the wall in her own blood. <gasps> so he was clearly mentally disturbed in some yeah. way. Yeah. And she just wanted this this relationship with Simon Cowell and had reached breaking points, which sounds Absolutely funny sounds because scary. it's Simon Cowell, but it's not funny. Yeah. And also yeah. because he was hiding in the closet. <laughs> yes, I know. And he <laughs> said we're making comments about, yeah. yeah, he said some quote afterwards, which underplayed it like it was a bit frightening, really. And I'm like, well, of course, it's yeah. terrifying. And if you've got a family... Like that would be really scary, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the thought that it's that they've managed to they've managed to enter your home and your personal life. You know, it's it must be it must be even easier now for people like that to try and contact celebrities with social media and all of that. Uh, yeah. So, but and it's one thing to kind of keep it that that you know on your phone or whatever. But yeah, what if they kind of find their way into your house that's really scary yeah because i think it's probably fairly easy for someone to find out where somebody else lives online and actually stalking and this kind of obsession it's distressingly it's on the up since the pandemic i'm guessing because a lot of us had more time to sit by ourselves and brood and spend time on social media and i think uh, i think we all went a little bit unhinged in yeah. the pandemic so i can definitely believe that yeah oh so what's number four the so fourth- number four is a title that sounds funny but isn't this is the incompetent suitor so this is someone who seeks a romantic or a sexual relationship with their victim and they pursue the target in a fixated obsessive way with lots of unwanted content uh contact I'm guessing the guy who was sending all of the cards through the woman's front door falls into the category mm. of the incompetent suitor. But they're often people who struggle to form normal relationships for various reasons. And that's why they're driven to do this pursuing of people. Um, I don't know if they believe that their victim is massively in love with them or not, or whether they just think I'm going to woo this person and then they will be in love with me. Mm. yeah it is a bit sad it is sad it It is sad because they're often quite sad sorts of people and i've seen some documentaries where stalkers have gone into stalker rehab and they do often seem very sad people when they accept what they've done wrong and they're able to Mm. talk about it but the fifth type is the one that we probably get in sort of slasher films and things like that. And that's the predatory stalker who's got a sexual or sadistic motive for stalking. They're doing it because they enjoy the stalking. Um, I can think of that. Oh, that creepy little Christian Grey in The Fool, I guess, is like that. He's got his type of woman and he stalks them. And then in that case, he kills them. Oh, um, oh Jamie Dornan. Yes, I call him Christian Grey because I yeah, don't know his real name. I'm sure yeah. he'd I'm be. Then, I think that's two different films, two very different films. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name. Not that I don't really like that role. So he'd yeah. be quite upset if I was calling him by it. He <laughs> I'm assuming. So if he does, I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jamie, if you're listening, please come on and tell us about some weird research you did for a role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he has to go, Kate, in his Belfast axe. Have you seen the ball, Georgia? No, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's got this little girlfriend called Katie and he just goes, Katie, constantly. Oh. 
<laughs> so it's become a thing in our house that Luke and I would just randomly say it now and then. Yeah, I I just found the fool just too too creepy, and I thought it I don't was, want yeah. this guy picking a new victim and then watching her inevitable fall yeah. into being killed by him. Too dark, yeah. for him, and I love dark. Yeah, it was. It's it's a bit too gritty and real, isn't it? Yeah, you could yeah. see it really happening, and uh, yeah, that's just too far out for me. I want sort of far out. I don't know ritualistic killings and things that I can distance in my mind and think, yeah, that's that's probably never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, much more palatable. Yeah, it's not <laughs> awful, but just just distance, <laughs> I guess. Oh dear! You told us the five types of stalkers, and I was going to say, which one do you identify the most with? <laughs> You could have an awful like you quiz saying which type of stalker are you, but yeah, yeah I recognise myself in like most of them. <laughs> no, I'm, that's a joke. Um, oh, but that some. is this. It is the scary thing though that we can recognise bits of ourselves in these stalking types because if you've been dumped by someone, for instance, oh, I haven't. That would be me. But friends have. It's really natural to go and look at their social media obsessively and then look at the person that they're seeing now and find oh out information God. on their lives and the haunts and everything. And you can see it sliding. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if every, if everybody goes through a kind of a little stalking phase, not a phase, but it, it's like this thing that it's like a rite of passage almost that you do it and then you know that it's wrong. You won't do it again. But, but you know, you can see yourself sort of having broken up with somebody and just happening to be at the pub that they go to or, oh you my know, God. yeah. I mean, I think you can, you can see yourself, can't you? You know, back when you were a lot younger, having thought about doing things like that, maybe even done them, you know, accidentally sending them a message or. Oh God, I'm cringing because I've done all of those things. You know, saying, yes. send, writing a note that you think is really heartfelt and pouring your heart out and saying, I can't live without you. And actually when you put all of that together. You're just talking it's... about me when I was 16. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, I, Luckily, I mean, I never had, I didn't have a boyfriend really in in my teenage years, luckily, because I think I would have probably been like that if I, if I had have done and if I'd have gone through a breakup. I remember sent, writing Keanu Reeves quite a desperate oh. fan letter. I remember crying um, when I was listening to a Hanson album because I knew that I'd never get to meet and marry Taylor Hanson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've, I've never quite had that but I did a lot of dating in in my mid-20s I didn't have any boyfriends or anything as a teenager because I was definitely a late bloomer but I remember going to places after someone I'd seen a few times had said you know, ghosted me hoping to bump into them and I remember with somebody else I had had a relationship with um he shared a name with quite a good friend male friend of mine and every so often I accidentally sent a text to him rather than my friend and I guess I was just seeking just the content <laughs> the contact and the gratification from him replying even though it was this isn't meant for me yeah because yeah. you just I mean obviously at some point they're going to message back and go oh my god I'm so glad you sent me that by accident because I've been thinking about <laughs> you non-stop you. and I love you and I want yeah. to marry you. Be like, see, it works. Do you think, do, you, do men do that as well, all that stuff? 
Do you think this is why maybe maybe it's more the stalking, like the full on stalking and obsession is more of a male thing because women kind of do it in this more of a managed kind of processing way. (laughs) And and they're like, right, I've done all that. He's just not that into me. I've got, you know, I've done I've done the fake texts. I've turned up at his pub. I've joined the gym that he goes to, you know, and I've done all of that stuff. And now that's it. And I feel better about it. But like maybe because men don't do all of that, it's kind of not easier, but they can kind of fall into those more um, dangerous patterns or sinister patterns, perhaps. I don't know. I think it's because they don't talk to their friends about it as well. Like, if yeah, they just say they're fine. Yeah, yeah, being 16, I'd be like, oh, and I did this and I did that. And your friends would eventually go, okay, stop yeah. now. This is, <laughs> yeah. that's not okay. Whereas, because I think especially younger men don't always talk about that kind of stuff to their friends so there's like no outlet to so then does it just escalate um because there's nobody telling them like that's not okay yeah enough and maybe it's the power dynamic as well and I think a lot of women wouldn't think I'm actually going to go and follow him and see where he goes because you're just too aware of your own safety whereas yeah if you're a man you might think well what's my ex going to do to me she I'm physically bigger and stronger than her and she's yeah. not going to take me on in that way I don't know maybe that's why the women tend to end up being the ones that are seeking the intimacy yeah it's did you come across any any other um stories Gina that kind of really shook you that I think the one the one about the letters every day is really unsettling uh, was there anything else that you came across that you just thought, whoa? That's the one that I think really got under my skin. And you also get the stalkers doing things like sending flowers or gifts. And these are upsetting because they're all things that are supposed to be nice and normally are nice, but they're being completely subverted by someone. Um, mm. And that's just really really sick and they can also do things if they're anonymous online like they can install bugs that are able to spy on you via your computer or something people can do online is get someone to send them a photo of something that's in their room and then they know your location and this is the kind of stuff that comes up in safety talks to kids at school which is partly why I know about it but that's all all very disturbing. And I think something that did strike home for me as well is that you can, and I don't want to be that person who's saying that, oh, online dating is dangerous because I met my husband through online dating. Me too. Done me a lot too. Of it. Yay. Yeah. Online dating club. But <laughs> I think when you open yourself up to online dating, there's information about you out there. And sometimes there are people who are doing it not for the right reasons. And mm. that's, I didn't meet any stalkers. I mean, plenty of strange guys, but not stalkers. But that that struck home for me because I guess that made me think if things had been a bit different, I might have ended up with with someone like that. Because yeah. I think my husband's oh, he's, I think he's man man number fifty something that I went on an online date with, and I'm woman number eighty one for him. So <laughs> there's potential I love that. there. Did you put those into your vows? <laughs> I, I can't that. remember the exact the exact number. I have got matching tattoos, yeah. yeah 81, <laughs> I did used to have a file on my computer that detailed all of my online dates. So I thought oh it my was God, I want writing to material. Yeah, yeah, good idea. 
I think I got bored after a little while, actually. Um, one story I did come across about someone who got obsessed and turned stalker after online dating. This is a this is a female stalker, actually. And Love You to Death has uh, a girl who's obsessed with another girl at the outset, which is why I looked at the female stalkers in particular. But mm-hmm. this um, this woman uh, called Jacqueline Ides. Uh, went on an online dating site called Luxie in the US and met quite a rich and successful CEO. And they went on a couple of dates and she rapidly got obsessed with him. And over a period, I think, of several weeks, sent him um, something close to 160,000 text messages, (gasps) which is a bombard. And I did think about her phone package because this was from a few years ago. Oh, my God. I hope she has unlimited texts. Yeah. Yeah, apparently not WhatsApps, it's texts. Maybe she had a basic phone, but (laughs) remember the days where you paid 10 pence for a text And also it took like quite a long time to send a text message because if you were like me, you couldn't use the auto function. So you had to like Mm -hmm. dial every letter in manually. Yes. I'm imagining this woman, I don't know, with one of those Nokia bricks as, as yeah. well. Yeah. And she might have had to have multiple phones if he was blocking blocking her messages. Oh, that's... But that's, oh. that's just a phenomenal amount. She is a, another example of someone who broke into his house, like the woman who was obsessed with Simon Cowell. Um, some of the messages I have actually written down uh, because they're quite inventive that she sent him one was i love you which okay you expect yes, but another specific one after he turned her down i think which i'm going to read out i mean it's got text speak spelling but i'm not going to emulate that it was i'd make sushi out of your kidneys and chopsticks out of your hand bones <laughs> oh just, my god wow sushi out of your kidneys and it's it's terrifying but it's That's so inventive. so bizarre like i was actually thinking then how extreme could it be yeah not not like, that affectionate no. no i was thinking like you know <laughs> cut you open and climb inside so we can be together forever That's, <gasps> that would be my extreme yeah <laughs> sushi no going <laughs> sushi it's and kidneys as well i find really yeah. specific um I do remember on a stalking Ooh. documentary, someone sent a message. Uh, this was a male stalker saying, only gods can separate us, which I think is what you had in mind, Cynthia, with that kind of intense yeah, message. just but, more extreme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was about sushi. Um, anyway, wow. she broke into his house. Well, luckily he was away, but he had um, some footage, I guess, on the phone or something that could show him the CCTV uh, from his house. Um, so he called the police on her, but apparently when the police arrived, she was in one of his bathtubs having a bath, you know, like you do. And she'd also brought her two dogs to the house and oh, a bottle of wine. Strange. Yeah. It's I thought you were gonna say that I thought you were gonna say the bath was filled with sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because isn't there that books? Yeah. Because isn't I don't know if this is a myth. I saw it on an episode of Come Dine with Me. Isn't sushi sometimes served off like bodies? Yes. Off well, and yeah, Sex, sex in the City, um, yeah. Samantha did it, didn't they? Didn't she? 
it's just it was a weird thing that that is you know when you're like writing and you're like what and you've got this character who's like really like evil or whatever and as you say you think what's the worst thing that this person can say i would never i would never have gone sushi out of your body parts and but also chopsticks yeah eat them with like eating with your bones, your kidneys, and presumably she'd have to like have rice involved and it would be proper sushi, <laughs> but with body parts in. Not that I've overthought this. It's just so inventive. It's really wow. inventive. Really Look, inventive. He can't enjoy that either. Like it's not saying we'll be together forever. That's saying I'm going to eat you. She wants to consume you. Like you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. She wants wow. to get that, that close. I mean, good job for him that he wasn't actually home and she got she got arrested and some kind of small sentence i imagine because technically all she'd done was broken in although you know Mm -hmm. she had harassed him as well but all of this based on just a couple a couple of dates and i think about the dogs as well i don't don't know why the dogs had to come i hope the dogs were all right but that's quite wholesome isn't it it's like she's going look this is our family like look these are my dogs and these are your dogs now and i'm gonna bring them and let's have a bottle of wine and hang out with the dogs like that is such a different message than i am going to make sushi out of you exactly and i think she must have plotted their life out together which is which is quite common for the stalkers to do they plan out their life i mean the the male stalker who made that comment about only god can tear us apart this was from a documentary he had planned out their wedding and also planned out how many children they were going to have. And it it's just this total fantasy version of of the reality. And she she was just a physiotherapist. He turned up to an appointment with her with a knee injury that didn't exist with a bouquet of flowers. So I assume he'd just come across her online and thought she will be mine from the outset. Yeah, that's interesting. There are many, many reasons that I'm glad that my husband is my husband. But the fact that I met him when I was 18 and have not had to do online dating or deal with any of that rubbish is Mm. a very big reason. Yeah. (laughs) It's so scary. Like, you know, he's just seen her photo or something somewhere and and just decided that's mine. She's the one for me. Yeah. Yeah. She looks particularly nice. I find it scary because I can follow some of the thinking. Yes. When I've been at my loneliest and my most single, you do slightly end a fantasy land with someone that you like and you imagine things and you project onto like a photo of a a person on a dating site. So I think the fact that it's a little bit relatable just Mm. also makes me think, oh, this is so dark. Yeah. Like what, what is the breaking point? Yeah, I could really see myself just being awful if, like, we ever broke up. <laughs> and if your partner got a new partner, and I would find oh, that really yeah. difficult, like, oh. especially with social media. Yeah. So what what is the breaking point? What turns you from just, like, a, a miserable ex-partner who is scrolling through everybody's Instagram to, you know, someone who's going to be potentially dangerous? I read about this guy who split up with his girlfriend and moved out of their shared home. Obviously, he didn't want to. She, It was all her. He was obviously a very controlling person or whatever. And he just, there's that thing like, you just can't let go, which I guess is, is obsession. And he had complete control over their household in terms of 
it was all wired up, wired up to Alexa. So he would like make the curtains start opening and closing in the middle of the night and the lights oh. flashing. And he, there was nothing. Well, I think she put up with it for as long as she could until she just like unscrewed everything. But he was just like tormenting her from wherever he was because he was so angry at her and, you know, just wanted to disrupt her life. And I suppose it was a sort of like, I'm still in control of you. I'm still here. And yeah. like music would just suddenly start blaring in the middle of the night. And, you know, I mean, and that that's really that's really scary, isn't it? That's to take something like that, yeah, and just use it against a person. But that's a certain kind of personality, definitely, isn't yeah. it? Like I would yeah. be way too lazy to do that. I would just be sat outside the house in the car crying, like <laughs> please yeah. come yeah. to me. I'd be, I wouldn't even think of that. So yeah, that, that is definitely be... controlling. Yeah, control. That's what I was thinking because, and even. As a teenager, when I made some prank calls to people messing about, I just couldn't couldn't do it yeah. at all. I didn't have the nerve. No. So this guy must really have had, you know, nerves of yeah. steel and anger of steel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I think to the, not be a- the scariest one is number five, isn't it? The the predatory, like mm. you know, and I know it's probably quite rare, isn't it? But like you said, that's what we see in slasher films and when you yeah. hear about serial killers. And it's interesting because when you said that they enjoy the stalking bit there's a whole thing in um like serial killer lore almost that like peeping toms it used to just be a bit of a joke like oh you know tommy from down the road is up the Young tree lad. looking in the girls yeah. window again don't worry about him yeah, yeah don't worry but actually a lot of serial killers especially ones who kill women have that in their that's early not. childhood that's how they began and it completely leads into that enjoying stalking they're like mm. they feel like they've got some element of control and then they take it to an extreme yeah um, like this is this is my thing no one stopped me I can carry mm, on yeah doing that I'm not I think it's quite rare for cases of stalking to actually end in in murder or serious harm because a lot of the time the stalkers don't actually want to harm especially if they think they're in love with their victim but mm-hmm. I think those are the ones that we tend to default to thinking of with stalkers yeah. because yeah. maybe they hit the headlines most yeah yeah definitely yeah I would never have hurt Keanu Reeves no I would have <laughs> never hurt Taylor Hudson no. No. <laughs> I would have just cried so much you would have had to marry me to make me feel better yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll come on this podcast now. You mentioned as well <laughs> as Jamie Dornan. So. <laughs> so they're very welcome, I'm sure. Yeah, please, please don't arrest me. I don't. It's okay. Yeah. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> so, well, I think we've got to we've got to sign off now. But Gina, that was so mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, I could just carry on talking about all yeah. of that because it's fascinating, isn't it? And I'm I'm really looking forward to finishing the book as well now. So do you think you'll explore obsession again in any more in a in anything else you write? Oh, I would love to in a different way because yeah. I've got so much material. And mm. even though I felt like I'd done justice to it in the book, when I was looking over some old planning documents preparing for this, there are just some I don't want to sound crass by calling them gems, but we're all writers. We all sort of remember material and anecdotes we think would make good stories. There's just so much stuff that I think would make a really good story that I uncovered. So mm-hmm. I'd love to return to it, but maybe not immediately. I don't want to get pigeonholed as yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so will you tell us 
your which was your lie yes I will so I'm quite cross because I thought I was being cunning but you've totally rumbled me and it is the cats I don't volunteer in a cat shelter it's not because I've not got time I just I'm a wuss basically I couldn't deal with the cats and cat anything going wrong for them it would just be my emotional threshold for that kind of thing is just so so low there um I am afraid of flying though I deal with that and I did used to do some modeling but my hands did the modeling oh wow was not part of it (laughs) it was while I was at sixth form and it was nepotism in action because my mum is a graphic designer and she did some books where they required teenage hands oh wow my teenage hands have you got copies of them I have got some copies. One was about temporary tattoos. Uh, My parents have got it and uh, my arm got a little bit of a look in as well. So one of my arms, I don't know if it's my left or right, (laughs) just slightly more famous than the other one. (laughs) Amazing. That's brilliant. (laughs) Good stuff. So tell us where we can find you and if anybody wants to um, follow follow you in a (laughs) non-sinister way on social media, where are you? Yes, please follow me in a normal way. Um, <laughs> so I'm Miss Consistency. I am at Gina Blacksall with no spaces on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. And my surname is B-L-A-X-I-L-L, which I say because people seem for some reason to want to stick an H in there. And if you put an H in there, you'll not find me anywhere and you will not be able to follow me. <laughs> oh thank you so much Gina that was brilliant that was brilliant thank you so much I'm a bit worried about myself but I really enjoyed it (laughs) I feel like we've understood our deepest darkest sides better (laughs) after this but thank you uh so much for having me and uh letting me bombard you with uh, stories of stalking I was going to say stalking but I'm I'm not intending on stalking either of you no thank you I put up a link to where people can order your newest book so if they want to read all about where the research has gone into, they can order that. Here it is. And um, George is holding the book up for anyone who can't see us because this might never end up on YouTube. Um, no. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. But, oh, yeah, yeah. are we going to do a sign-off? Sorry, <laughs> Cynthia. I was, I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's always nice when you're a bit rusty isn't it and you're like How do we, do that? Know, nice we don't piece. know what we're doing it's fine <laughs> browser history deleted